1: Life if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasures stored up in heaven when you're true. You'll be set for life.
0: Hi, welcome to Set for Life. Today I have a guest with me today. It's Mr. Bill Fay of Share Jesus Without Fear. Mr. Faye, how are you doing today? Fine. I go by Bill. Bill. Okay. Well, I go by Ray. <laughs> so call me Ray. Uh, Bill, I heard about you in Bible college. I was going to College of Biblical Studies in Houston, and we took an evangelism course, and they introduced us to Share Jesus Without Fear. And I was so glad to get your, your teaching on that, about how to share the gospel It's really done me a lot of good because, I mean, I can be on this radio show and tell people the gospel, but it gets a little kind of edgy, I guess, for some people when they're standing in the grocery store line and they get a moment to talk with somebody. You really helped me how to engage people with sharing the gospel on a one-on-one basis. And, Bill, I think Christians need to do that. They need to be doing that.
1: Well, I couldn't agree more except they're not. (laughs) I've never been in a church, and I've preached in every denomination you can imagine, and I've never been in a church because I ask the question every Sunday, how many of you in the last year took your Bible, turned the pages of Scripture, and showed somebody how to become born again? I have never been in a church where it's over 10%. Oh, wow. And that means that 90% are in the sin of silence. Yes. And it's not just limited to the congregation. As an example, I just was speaking to a class of seminarians all with their masters of divinity, and they were coming for some extra credit stuff. And I was asked to speak, and I asked the same question. And out of about 28, there were three that had shared their faith in the last year. I asked the question then. I said, "If." I'm pretty good at math, but I said let's see how close I can get. That means at least 98 percent of you in this room are ashamed of the gospel that brought you your salvation, and that begs the question: What in the world are you doing in ministry? In ministry so, and in college and not doing it? Wait, they're, no, they're they're they graduated from seminary. Oh, these are pastors. They're
0: grads. Okay.
1: Oh, these are pastors that came back for extra credit. And so as goes the pulpit, so goes the pew. And we are deceiving ourselves if we think because we stand up at a at our pulpit and present the gospel that that's evangelism. No, it's not. That's that is what's called proclamation. Mm-hmm. Does your neighbor know the reason for the hope that is in you? And so we have a a culture of people that we don't want to offend people. But let's understand the gospel is always offensive, but we must never be. There's only two motives for evangelism, love of God, love of people. Yeah. We have a world that people say are falling apart. No, it's falling together. It's all on schedule. Right. And we are silent. And yet we hear all the loud voices. Oh, Satan knows what works. He screams the lies in all kinds of different ways. And yet we are silent. We just go, well, you know, that's the culture now. We need to accept this perversion or that perversion. You know, God will understand. God is love. No, he won't. And we need to warn people. Right. And I don't know what it is that is causing people to be in what I refer to as the sin of silence. How many times do you go through your day and do not capture the moment that God creates? Evangelism is the one area you cannot fail in. If you share stupidly, unlovingly tactlessly and with poor timing god will use it it won't be a surprise to him he may deal with you later but that's a different issue you can't blow this it's the one area of your christian life you can't fail in because if somebody comes to know christ and becomes the next billy graham how are you going to take credit for it you feel right. god's glory <laughs> yeah if somebody spits in your coffee cup and says get away from me with that garbage you haven't failed you've been obedient right I mean, the things that people say all the time as excuses, which are bogus, is the fear of rejection. Right. But see, it's Jesus getting rejected, Scripture that's getting rejected. Yeah. It feels like you and me, but it's never you. It's It's not us. It's never me. Yeah. I mean, it's the one area, as I keep saying, you can't fail in because you can't succeed either. Right. It's a matter of obedience. And people say to me all the time, well, I tried it once. Boy, I'm not doing that again. I said, well, is that the only time in your life you've been obedient? Yeah. And and somehow we have tried to keep score in churches, which is insanity. We reward ourselves for baptisms. Well, wait a minute. Where's God in this? Yeah. Where's God getting his reward? Well, why are we giving out prizes for what we should be doing is obedient? And so many Christians now are, quote-unquote, bored with church. Well, I would be bored, too, if I didn't see God working all the time. Certainly, And, and, you know, there is no excuse. I I think of a, a wonderful, godly old woman that came into my life a number of years ago, And her name was Nell, and she was from Statesville, North Carolina. (laughs) Heavy-duty accent. (laughs) And her short story was she was raised in a classic Baptist church, coming and going for 50 years, lost two children to brain disorder, so she had her problems like anybody else, but then got T-boned in a car accident at age 72 with her husband and pulled him through the windshield dead. And all of her legs, her bones were broken in her legs, and she screamed out, God, take me home. And an audible voice spoke to this woman and said, I'm not done with you. Wow. 17 months in the hospital. Wow. Just multiple, multiple surgeries. Somebody gave her Share Jesus Without Fear book. For the first time, she learned to share her faith. The churches tell you to do it, but they don't tell you how. Right. <laughs> and that makes no sense. Right. And at age 74, getting out of the hospital, Nell started to begin to share her faith. In her 70s? Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, but what's this. We hear a lot of baloney numbers float around religion. I don't know how they come from It's just a lie. But we documented, she was a school teacher, and she kept a diary with that beautiful cursor handwriting you don't see anymore. Right. And this woman, in order to get into her diary, you had to be born again and baptized. Well, God took her home at 84, and in that book are 3,109 names. In Statesville, North Carolina, born and baptized, born again and baptized, because one woman believed wow. that God was not done with her yet. Amazing. And she stayed a joy machine. You see, the Bible says for those of us who are willing to share our faith, then no longer will church be boring because it says in a promise, I pray that you're active sharing your faith. So you have a full understanding of all the good things you have in Christ. It's Philemon. when, Yeah. Yeah. Philemon, verse 6. And mm-hmm. when you quit doing that, it's, it, Christianity can be kind of a yawn.
0: Yeah.
1: But I'll tell you what, when you share your faith and realize that you're in the presence of God because he's doing the work. Right. He's either condemning somebody or he's saving somebody. It's not me, right? And remember, it takes seven point six times on the average for someone to hear the gospel before they get it. So you might be a a guy that's in doing number twos and threes, and or you might be I six. Come along and I I say, hey, how are you? And they go, I'm ready. Yeah, they may I be mean, ready to go. They're on the edge. And yeah, this is the the process, right? I mean, there, don't tell me you don't have anybody that's unsaved. In your life, when you go to the supermarket, I make a habit of always having someone take my cart and bring it to the car with me. No. <laughs> because I can talk with them right. on the way to the car. What's a nice person like you doing in a place like this? What are you planning? What's your school? All the way we're chatting in the car. And I said, By the way, you ever wonder where you go if you die? And the whole conversation switches. You can take any one of my five questions. Like a meat thermometer probe, you stick it in there and go, are you cooking? Yeah, are you, what's and, going on in there? Yeah. Yeah. And I can take any conversation and if appropriate place or something, I can stick a my spiritual thermometer in, which is a question and see if God's doing anything. And if he is, we're off and running. And if he's not, you know, boy, here we go again. And that's fine. And I, I don't push him. Remember, love of God, love of people—only motive for evangelism. Right. They're not targets. They're they're not items. They're lost people like you and me. And think about it. Nobody's almost saved. Look at how God divides it. You're either a child of God, or you're not. Or you're the child of Satan. Right. That nice friend of yours, if he's unsaved, your brother, your cousin, they're a child of Satan. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. No middle ground there. Sure. You're either saved or damned. No middle ground. You're either in a relationship with Christ or you're out. You're either his son or his enemy. I mean, this ain't fooling around time. This is, there is no almost there. It's like being half pregnant. You can't be. right and it's it's a the church needs to open their eyes but the church is not the building the church is you those who attend a church and claim you're christian and i always say look if you're not active sharing your faith stop claiming you're born again because you're an embarrassment and b- born again people are commanded to share their faith and if they love Jesus, they will obey him.
0: This makes so me think either, of,
1: either, yeah,
0: I'm sorry. This makes me think of James 4, 17. It says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. Now that Correct. could be a number of things, but in, in what, the context of what we're talking about, the sin of silence, they're not talking. That actually becomes sin for the person that could be evangelizing and telling people about Jesus Christ and they refuse to do it. Well, I might offend them. Uh, what kind of trouble am I going to get into? But, but the bottom line is if they're not doing it, they're in trouble. It's a sin for them.
1: And, you know, and if, if you talk to everybody, Ray, and the planet and everybody tells you to go jump in the river, great is your war. Right.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, and a lot of people, I think, I think they kind of put it on me because I'm the pastor at the pulpit and I have the radio show. I'm on the radio around the world. And they think, well, well, Pastor Ray will get it out there. Well, that, that's that's not, that's not right. We all have to be doing the one-on-one, like you said, supermarket, standing in the grocery store line, conversations with people. And as a matter of fact, even me as a pastor, the Lord had told me that the way to grow my church is not going to, or his church, I should say, is not through billboards. And it's not going to be through newspaper ads. Hi, come join us. I mean, those are fine, but that's not really how you're growing it. Not social media. He said that you're going to grow this church by you and your people getting out there in your community and telling people directly the gospel of Jesus Christ, telling them. And that's what's going to do that. And I, I've i seen a staggering uh, factoid I'd picked up somewhere, probably in Bible college, whenever that was, uh, that says that less than 10% of Christians share the gospel with anyone ever. Um, that means 90% of them are not, like you were talking about. And less than 5% share the gospel on a regular basis. Less than 5%.
1: 90,
0: 97.4%. Is it 974 now? Okay, that's probably... We'll
1: die, we'll die never once sharing their faith.
0: And, and friends, those of you listening to us right now, I want to ask you, are you in that 97.4%? Are you in that, let's call it 97, 98%? Are you in the 98% that has never one time shared the gospel of Jesus with anybody? That's what me and Bill are here to talk about, is that that is a problem in the body of Christ today, that if we're claiming to be Christians and we're not doing it, what what he told us to do, that is sin for us. And we're supposed to be doing it,
1: it. And the horrible excuse, people love to use it. Well, I live out my faith. Well, that's nice. I'm glad you do, uh, but the Bible says, "Give them the reason for the hope that lies within you, yes, so if you're claiming like a nice little whatever and you live out your faith, you don't burp or swear or whatever that's that's nice, and people see that, and, but they don't have any clue how you have the power to do that right. And so we lose joy when we're not active in sharing our faith. We we lose the relationship with Christ because we're in flagrant disobedience. I mean, I've even said to churches when I go speak, I said, I want you to take your hand and I want you to raise and make a fist and put it in the air. And I want you to repeat after me. God, I don't care what you've done for me, what you will do for me, I won't do this for you. Mm. I'm not going to share my faith, no matter what you've done for me, have done for me, or will do for me. If you're not sharing your faith, you may as well do this right now, because that's what you're doing. And you're in flagrant rebellion. Give me any reason that anyone is alive on this planet that's born again, except to be a witness, you might be a great house worker, you might be a homemaker, you might be a truck driver, you might be whatever, but your purpose in life is to be a witness, and it I right hear it once in a while, should you witness at work? Well, I don't think it's moral, believe it or not, as much as I share. I don't think it's moral because your boss isn't paying you two dollars an hour to go and share your faith on his time now you can always bring a brown bag take someone out to, to the car for lunch you can take them to a restaurant you could there's a thousand ways to skin the cat if has put somebody on your heart at work sure, yeah without violating the boss because you should be the best worker he's ever employed and show it through that's that, a great through that
0: performance yes
1: yeah And so this sin of silence has invaded the church, and so therefore, when a wonder church is is a come and a go and a yawn, because we are now even guilty from weakening the pulpit, because not only the pastor is not sharing his faith, but what's worse is we are now compromising doctrine everywhere we go for the sake of society. And you tell me, way back, it was fashionable to have seeker-sensitive churches. Right. Well, I got a question for you. My Bible says no one seeks God, so how are you going to get anybody in your church? Right. So just like you're saying, Ray, you need to go wherever you are and be unashamed of the gospel. I mean, I don't take a waitress at high noon when she's busy jumping around over for plate and say, stop, I want to do something for you. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm going to be sensitive to to, to that moment. I could leave a track on the table if I wanted. I could turn to her and say, you know, if I saw something on a, on a, actually maybe wearing a cross, I might say, why do you wear that? And uh, you get some strange, really Strange answers, right? Yeah, and uh, I said, "Well, you know, one day would you like to meet the person that got on that cross and died for you?" I said, "Listen, if you're ever interested, and I write a phone number down, and I always put my wife's name down, so if it's a lady, they don't sure. think I'm trying to hustle her." And it's always it, it just you you can do something and still be sensitive to where they're at and working. And you watch, when you're a willing worker, God will bring them into your life.
0: The opportunity will come, he'll make it happen.
1: Yeah, and, and and I'll give you a story to think about as we kind of went down that really took evangelism to a whole nother level for me. And you watch the sovereignty of God in this. When I was doing a lot of uh, flying and speaking, They have these kind of private rooms for frequent flyers, and I go in the United one at some unlordly hour, like 7 in the morning, and I look over, and sure enough, there's a guy that looks just like John Denver. But I'm not sure. And I see this coffee cup and a little miniaturized whiskey bottle, Mm. the airline whiskey bottle. And I said to myself, I'll bet this is John, because he had two drunken driving arrests in Colorado. So I'm Holy Spirit's not letting up. So I look again. Son of a gun, I see the guitar case. So now I know it's got to be him. That's so him, I'm John gonna, Dever, yeah. Yeah, so I get up, and I'm going to do a drive-by. <laughs> I go by, <laughs> and, and I just saw the side of my mouth, and went real loud, John. And he jumped up, and he says, hi. He says, I am seeing you in a couple of days. I said, no, sir, but I have a message for you from your dead father, Dutch. Are you still flying the wind song? That's his private Learjet. Is Craig still your pilot? John, give me your private number. I need to call you. Now, how in the world did I have that information? Because many years before my conversion and the height of my pagan lifestyle, John Denver's father was the co-pilot on the jet that used to fly me around to do funny business. Mm. Well, When I came to Christ and I ran into Dutch, that's his father's name again, I had the privilege to see Dutch surrender his life to Christ, and he made me make one promise. If you run into my son, would you share with him? So I called John for a private meeting at the Denver airport, and I met him in a room and took him line by line through the gospel of Jesus Christ. There wasn't one single verse of scripture he did not understand, nor was there one verse that he would accept. And I said, John, when did you make up your mind? Jesus Christ would never become your Lord or your Savior. He can remember the date, time, and place. He was 12 years old. In an old Presbyterian Sunday school class, a teacher said, Jesus is the way the truth and the life john said i made up my mind then he would never be for me i thought dearest lord did he condemn himself at that moment well i got out to my car and i had some tears and i asked god a question because i was puzzled i said father why did you go to all this trouble if john denver was not predestined to know you. And a verse of scripture that came into my heart took evangelism for a whole nother level. And I hope it will for you and all of your listeners. But the verse comes out of 2 Corinthians and says, to some, you will become the aroma of life. To some, you'll become the aroma of death.